airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And uh, today I want to just continue our conversation where we are asking the question. Um, is the word of God sufficient? Can the Bible truly be enough for us to train our kids um, and for us as as Christians, professing Christians, to process life? Can we process life purely through the scriptures? Like, do we have a need for something else, mm. right? And and I think when we have situations like what we're looking at now, okay, and every I think many people, our listening audience uh, included, would be aware of what's happening in Michigan um, people would be aware Minnesota. of what happened. Yeah, in Minnesota. In mm-hmm. Minnesota. Why Why did I think Michigan? Stuff was an M. That's why. Another M. Okay. Place. Was there anything that recently happened in Michigan? I feel I feel very strongly. But I'm strongly uh, wrong. A post right? I showed you was a person that was in Michigan talking, okay. talking about Minnesota. Maybe I've meshed those two things together. Okay. Um, Central Park. Is that right? <laughs> now, now all of a sudden yeah. I don't know yeah. I just want to make sure that it wasn't Grand Central Station was it the Central Park <laughs> um, and here's my point here's my point so we continue to have these occurrences in our culture that cause us to sort of go to our corners and um, can be quite stressful for people just trying to live normal lives right mm. because now all of a sudden you have this heightened awareness of yourself mm-hmm. right I mean no matter what you say or how you you know we, whoever we are, um, whatever our ethnic makeup is, um, whatever quote unquote, using my quotey fingers, community we belong to, you have this heightened awareness of yourself. Yeah. And whatever that awareness is, um, whether it is good, it is bad, it's, it makes you uncomfortable or you're just indifferent, the fact is we all have a certain increased awareness of ourselves, mm. right? Where we're doing this sort of internal check because of external occurrences. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're looking at things that are happening outside of us and then we're doing this internal check. And then we're trying to decide what type of person we are based on what we think about what has happened. Man. <laughs> Which shouldn't waver right. if we if we stay close to the scripture. Like, you know, what we think about ourselves should be based upon how we're living out, you know, our faith. And that is dictated by the word of God. So Amen. in these situations, Christians shouldn't change per se, unless we have a flaw that we need to repent of or something. That's, that's right. Going, you know, that's right. You shouldn't. So here, and, and, and I think the great task, because what we often talk about on Aaron, the Addison's is what is, what it means or what it looks like to have a biblical worldview And just to stress that again, it doesn't mean that you just believe the Bible is good. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you just believe the Bible is true. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because there are people who can assert that they believe that the Bible is true or that they believe the Bible is good, right? They like certain aspects of the scriptures and they think those things are good and helpful. And and almost the Bible can become sort of a self-help manual if you just reduce it to that. But as a Christian, we endeavor to live according to a biblical worldview, which means that not only do we believe the Bible is good, not only do we believe that the Bible is true, but we believe that the Bible is our highest standard for living, which means that everything that we say and do is filtered through the lens of Scripture. That's right. This is incredibly difficult. And let me tell you something. Um, and and I, I say this sort of like as just an, an idiom here, but it takes a lifetime for this. <laughs> this is not something that you get to a place where you're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm this age and I got it. No, mm -hmm. you don't. This mm -hmm. is a lifetime. It, there, we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we spend our lives knowing him. We spend our lives growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it's so interesting. Um, if you chronologically how they were written, he's got the six that he writes on his missionary journey. You're speaking and then the Paul. others, who did I say? Oh, no, you, you broke up. Did I? Oh, man, I hate when that happens. Okay, so, yes, so the Apostle Paul, and you look at how he kind of progresses as he describes himself in his letters. If you mm -hmm. chronologically look at the letters and you look at how the Apostle Paul describes himself, um, first off, as he's describing himself in the account that he gives in the book of Acts, like he says, you know, he's an apostle that's kind of born out of season and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, he kind of has almost a little bit of a, of a, and I say this for lack of a better word, a lighter look at his inadequacies, right? Mm. But as he continues to write these letters, you'll see that increasingly he comes to understand who he is. And yeah. so in one of his last letters, he, he says that he's the chief of sinners, hmm. right? So he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't begin to think more highly of himself as he continues in service to the Lord, he actually has a better perspective of himself as he grows and walks in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the same is true for us as we continue to apply the word of God and we teach our children how to apply the word of God. It's not that we try to scapegoat mm. by using the scriptures to justify our opinions on popular culture. Right. But it's that we allow the scriptures to shape us and to give us the wisdom that we're in desperate need of. Yeah. We are in desperate need of. Yeah. Amen. Go ahead. Well, did you want to, did you want to, no, I, I was, wanna... I was, I okay. was thinking that once we are shaped by the word of God, you know, um, everything that comes at us submits to that because we yes. have a biblical worldview or we, you know, we submit to the scriptures. So whatever problem, whatever situation comes our way, it has to submit to the word of the Lord in our lives. And that's Amen. how we deal with whatever may come. Yes. And, and, and so when we have that approach, we really don't waver. Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, we really don't waver. We don't waver in how we teach our children. We don't waver in how we engage in public discussion. It doesn't mean that we are always going to have the same perspective. Exactly. It doesn't mean that. And, and I think it's so important for us to be, we try to communicate that with our kids. They have disagreements, they have disputes, and one person sees it this way and another person sees it this way. And we try to encourage them that in life, you're going to have those kinds of encounters right. where you just cannot make the perspectives match, mm. right? 
So what we're trying to do is get as close to an understanding as possible. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get as close to an understanding as possible. Let me tell you what is happening today in our culture, and, and then we'll take this back to how we live a biblical worldview um, and how we teach it to our children. What is happening in our culture today is the appearance that everyone wants an understanding. Mm. But that is, in fact, not the desired outcome. Mm. And you can know by the way the dialogue happens if the person's aim is an understanding. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, that a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Right. <laughs> now think about that for a second. Think about that. So, so when our kids come to us to referee, mm-hmm. which happens a lot, by the way, can I just, I mean, it happens a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We, we are managing humans all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so there's going to be misunderstanding. There's going to be that moment where it's like what you didn't do and what you should have done and what you did and what you could have done better. Right. And right. so what you have to do is you have to stop and you have to say, okay, what's the purpose of this exchange right now? Are you two seeking to understand one another or are you just wanting to get something off your chest? Hmm. Are you just wanting to, you know, just air your opinion? You just want to say what you think, which is why I think probably one of the most, man, one of the, one of the least biblical statements a person can make is, well, I just need to get this off my chest. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but (laughs) Why? (laughs) What's the point? What biblical purpose does it serve that you just get something off your chest? Here's the problem in our culture today. The problem in our culture today is that everyone and their grandmother twice removed has a platform to just get something off their chest. Now more than at any other time. Than ever. And it creates greater division, Mm -hmm. right? It creates greater doubt. You look at people and you don't trust them. You don't know why, but you don't trust them. And then you think you understand what they're saying because, you know, 140 characters or less. You think you understand what they're saying. You really don't. Then you come out of the gate heavy. <laughs> like David Crowder at a concert. You come out heavy, right? You come, you come out hot and strong. And then the person's like, no, that's not what I was saying. But we didn't seek understanding. We just wanted to express our opinion. Everyone is racing to express their opinion. Now, the Christian is supposed to live differently. Amen. This is we apply this to ourselves. We apply this to our children. So as you know, and I'm going to keep saying this until we move on to another book, then I'll be letting you know what we're reading through. Um, after that, we're studying through the book of Acts. So it's it, man, and it has been a wonderful study. We're taking our time with it. We're enjoying it. We are wringing out Luke's letter <laughs> and getting all that we all that we can get out of Luke's letter. All right. And so as we're we're reading through the book of Acts, we we use that as a backdrop last week to talk about Paul knowing his rights as a Roman citizen, but also knowing his heritage, his Jewish heritage, also knowing and appreciating the law, not setting the law aside, but saying that the law doesn't save you. You're not going to be justified by keeping the law, Mm -hmm. but also at the same time, reminding his Jewish hearers that the law is of value, but it's not valuable for salvation, right? It's not going to save you. But here's the thing. And you come across, you're reading through, reading through the book of Acts and in Acts chapter 23, there was something really interesting that happens. I want to use this as a backdrop to show the difference between knowledge and wisdom 
and how we teach our kids to engage this culture in which they're living. And we too engage the culture by using the word of God as our straight edge. It's not popular opinion. And sometimes it's going to put us on the outskirts. And as one of our listeners pointed out, and she was so right in this, sometimes it puts you on the outskirts, even in the church, mm. even among mm. people that you think, man, we should have some common ground here. <laughs> like if we're, re- we're reading the same book, we should have some common ground here. And sometimes we find that maybe people like this part of the Bible, but they don't like that part of the Bible, you know, so they want to sharpie the lines that they just don't agree with. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, I don't know what that says. There's black lines on it. <laughs> But here is what the apostle does and and the apostle Paul does when he's before the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. And remember, he has already appealed uh, to his his Roman citizenship. Right. And now he's before the Sanhedrin and they are seeking to accuse him. Right. They really just kind of want to get their hands on him. Right. All right. The Jews want to get their hands on him um, and not so they can give him a makeover. <laughs> well. <Right? laughs> They're like, let me add him. We away with this fellow. He doesn't deserve to live. That's how they feel about him. Right. right? Right. And from this point, I, I, w- I want to make a comparison between knowledge and wisdom. And this is what we endeavor to have. Uh, wisdom is what we endeavor to have. Yes, we acquire knowledge, but man, we seek the Lord for wisdom. Mm. OK. And, and so we try to teach our children. What is the difference between the two? So the knowledge that you have is the acquisition of information. Right. Anybody can do it. Right. Anybody, anybody can do it. Anybody can acquire knowledge and rattle off facts. And people do it all the time, every single day. We teach our kids not to be impressed with that. Right. Not to be impressed with that. It's not impressive that a person can memorize facts because you can train a puppy to memorize steps and do things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not impressive. But what is impressive is what people do with the knowledge they acquire. They and that is wisdom. It. That's right. How do you apply what you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. You know, I remember having this conversation years ago. You know, knowledge does not make wisdom automatic. Mm. If it were, there are tons of things that we know aren't good for us. But because we lack wisdom, we engage in those things to our own detriment, mm. even though we know these things aren't good. Yeah. So knowledge in and of itself is not the aim. The question is, what do we intend to do with this knowledge? How do we apply it to our lives for the glory of God? This makes us wise. This comes about by seeking the Lord, applying the scriptures, applying the scriptures, and then living it out. Yeah. I'm going to show you in Acts how the Apostle Paul does this before the Sanhedrin. It's beautiful. And we know that it's for the glory of God because the outcome allows for the gospel to continue to proliferate. Amen. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. On American Family Radio, we appreciate you listening. Mean that sincerely. Thank you so much for joining us every day to talk about what's going on in popular culture, um, talk about marriage, family, the church, and um, children, right? And how we live as faithful Christians, authentic Christians in 21st century America, 
Um, the Bible is instructive. The Bible teaches us how to do that. And so when you tune in every day, that's what you're going to get. You're going to see us applying the word of God to everyday life. Like this is that's all right. we have, folks. And when you approach life that way and saying that the Bible is all we have, then in some ways, a biblical worldview becomes automatic. You still have to work on it, right? Because you want to make sure that you're doing this every single day. But when you say the word of God is all that I have, that means every single way that you live is filtered through the knowledge that Amen. comes from reading and meditating and applying the word of God. And that's what we're stressing over and over um, again on this program. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And as a Jada producer, all we need is love. So, so here we are in Acts, right? And you've got the Apostle Paul who is before the Sanhedrin. And so you've got this Jewish council basically that is interrogating Paul. And there's something really interesting that that happens here, and I'm going to share it with you, and then we'll kind of bring it back full circle, looking at how do we take the scriptures as we're just reading through and continuing to learn more about the Lord and the wisdom that is ours because of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God applied. Um, we'll bring it full circle, and we'll look at some of the Proverbs. What are some of the lessons that we get from the Proverbs that are instructive for us today? OK, mm -hmm. in the midst of what's happening in our culture, how do yeah. we look at some of the proverbs that are instructive for us today? And people I know you, you might be wondering, well, Miki, why don't you just drill down on the actual stories today? Because I think the Bible goes far beyond the actual stories because it's these stories today. But there'll be other stories tomorrow. Right. And in the next True. few weeks, there'll be other stories. Right. So so when I did <laughs> when I wrote, I guess it was back in 2015, um, an expose, if you will, on Black Lives Matter. What was my approach? My approach was not just to say, oh, I don't know about this organization. My approach was to say, what do they believe? What does the Bible teach? Are the two compatible? Mm -hmm. And so there's no debate about, hey, can we get behind this organization as Christians? The question then becomes, is it antithetical to the faith? So when you understand that, you have something that's transferable. So it doesn't just stop at one organization, right? Right. Right. OK. And so that's what we're trying to do today. It's not so much the issues that are popping off in our culture. It's that faithful Christians must know the word of God so that when the next issue pops off, you're not tossed back and forth like a wave. Exactly. And this is the problem that I often observe that there there's such a race to opinion. There's such a race to commentary. Yeah. It's all across your social media. Everyone wants to be the first with the perspective and everybody is clamoring to have the right perspective. Right. Yep. But the question should be, OK, what is the biblical perspective? Because, in fact, that is the right perspective. And, and I think we also have to watch as Christians because there's a sensual nature to all of this that will yeah, pull you we'll in. You know, when we're talking about partiality, whether it's skin based, whether it's socioeconomic, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. the Bible calls it partiality. Yes. But with that, there's a sensual, a sensual nature to it that as Christians, it will pull you in if you're not oh, man. Uh, uh, girded up. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I look at some of this stuff and I'm like, man, and I'm looking at some of my friends. I'm like, wait, mm -hmm. no, don't wait. Don't let it pull you. Don't go towards the light. No. <laughs> Don't let it pull you that way yeah, until you, man. where you start hating your brother or sister who don't look like you because of, on, of this that's happening. So we have to really be careful about that. We really do. And, man, you're really touching on something there because I really think that the root of this, I, I, I think that the ultimate aim of the evil one is the type of division that you're describing. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. And I think it's why one of the reasons, not the total reason, not the, you know, but I think it's one of the reasons 
why we continue to see almost like the cycle of this information that comes out, yeah. right? And that every time it comes out, the church has a hiccup. Right. <laughs> As if we have no manual. Right. You, you understand what I'm saying? Right. The world keeps having hiccups, but the church doesn't need to keep having these hiccups because we have a manual. See, the world is not working from the same manual. Mm. They have rejected the manual. Right. Because we have exactly. not rejected the manual, mm-hmm. right? We have something sure. We have something reliable. So That's we don't right. need to keep studying every single situation and trying to figure out, hey, where do I fall on this? Now, and, and what I mean by that is not that we don't come to understand the details, because we're going to talk about that a little bit. And I better move faster. We're going to talk about that when, when we get through understanding a situation and he who speaks first and all of these things. And, and, you can teach your children to live out the word of God. The word Amen. of God answers everything, Amen. every single thing. So here is Paul before the Sanhedrin, right? And let's look at the scriptures here. And Paul does something that's amazing. And on the surface, it seems like, whoa, that's, that's pretty true. But obviously it is, it is a prompting. It is led by the Holy Spirit of God because as Jesus will say to the apostle Paul later in this exchange, well, after this exchange is over, Jesus will say to him, I'm not done with you. So, of course, you have to get out of this situation, right? So here is the Apostle Paul before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. This is Acts chapter 23. Listen to this. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Whoa, Paul came out like David Crowder, right? (laughs) Are you sitting to judge me according to the law and yet contrary to the law, order me to be struck? Verse four, those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, think about that. So the apostle Paul immediately goes to the law. To repent, to say, oh, I didn't realize that he was a high priest. I know that it is not permissible for us to do that. And what is he referring to? He's referring to Exodus chapter 22, verse 28. And so, again, you know, one of my one of my favorite terms here and try to teach the kids that the Bible is consistent. Mm -hmm. So we go back and we look at it. Exodus chapter 22, verse 28. And this is what it says. You shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. So here we have the Apostle Paul again, showing that he's well versed in the law, Mm -hmm. understanding that he is not bound by the law for salvation, but respecting the law. So, again, confirming he's not setting aside the law. Right. He acknowledges that. But there is something else. So as the Apostle Paul continues on in the Bible, man, the Bible is very explicit in giving us all of these details. Right. The Bible says, um, verse four, those who stood by and I read this already, I'm going to skip down to five. Paul says, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a rule of your people. Verse six. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, he cried out to the council, brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided for the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, 
<laughs> nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So here is what happens. Paul knows that these two sects have a different understanding of the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Wisdom tells him what to do with that knowledge. Mm, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he brings up the fact that he's a Pharisee. What is the outcome of that? Well, the outcome of that, the Bible tells us in verse nine, then a great clamor arose and some of the scribes of the Pharisees stood up and contended sharply. And listen to what they say. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? So now they're pleading their case based on what they believe and they come to Paul's defense. Why? Is this proven to be wisdom? Why is this proven to be a wisdom that comes from the Lord? Because further down in verse 11, the Bible says this, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, now the Lord stood by Paul, not an angel. Mm -hmm. He's not having a vision. The Lord (laughs) Jesus himself stood by Paul. And this is what the Lord says. Take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. In other words, I'm not done with you, right? right? So we have Paul's knowledge of the Pharisees, his knowledge of the Sadducees, but wisdom shows him how to apply that. What do you do with that knowledge, right? And to the advantage that the gospel continues to spread, Mm -hmm. because this is what the Lord has for him to do. Now, I want to show you something else, right? So when you look at Exodus chapter 22, and and this becomes one of those teachable moments for your kids, if you study through the scriptures and you look at what, you know, is written in the word of God, if you're like me and you're just kind of a curious reader, you don't usually stop at the cross reference. You know, if you if you see those those little hypertexts in your Bible and you say, what's the cross reference there? What are they what's what what else do I need to study? Mm-hmm. In this same sort of um passage of scriptures, if you will, in the Old Testament that Paul refers to, where he says, basically he's sorry, he did he wasn't trying to be disrespectful of the high priest because it's written in their law that you shouldn't do that. There was something else that the Apostle Paul would have been aware of. And if you enter into this conversation today with friends, with family, for us, it would be with our children. There is something that the Bible teaches us about God's care about justice. Hmm. Now, let me tell you something. The world does not own the word justice. Right. (laughs) That's good. Justice is God's idea. In fact, justice is is God's nature. Hmm. The Lord God is just. We, the church, cannot allow the world to take another term from us. Come on. Redefine it and then give it back to us and tell us to live up to their new definition. (laughs) Okay? The Lord God is just. So if there's any group of people who should understand what justice is, it should be the followers of the Lord God, right? Amen. It should be those of us who have followed or who have found newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We should understand justice. And it's so important for us, man. You know, the Bible also teaches us that the the wicked do not understand justice. Right. But the righteous understand it fully. So you got a lot of people who are out today. They're coming up in your news feed and, and they're talking about justice. 
But we who know the Lord, we understand justice. Those who are in rebellion against God, they do not understand justice. Mm. And the scripture teaches us this very plainly. So look at this in Exodus chapter 23. And just a side note, that scripture is Proverbs chapter 28, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 5. Yeah. That's one of those scriptures that would be worth committing to memory, especially in the time that we're living in when we feel pressured to accept everyone's definition of justice, right? Mm -hmm. To, to honor everyone's cry for justice. I I, want to tell you this. And I started saying this many years ago and I have not respectfully, let me say this. I've not been proven wrong yet. The majority of the conversation that we hear, the majority of the conversation that we read is not a cry for justice a lot of it is a cry for revenge. That's right. And that is not justice. How do we have a proper understanding of justice? We understand that justice is applied without partiality. Justice is applied straightforwardly across the board without respect to a person's socioeconomic status, to a person's color, the tribe that they belong to, or the language that they speak. We have to understand that when we're talking about the character of God and the definitions that are given to us by God, they must be able to apply to be applied in every time, in every culture (laughs) around the world. Right. (laughs) It's not just for an American conversation. So when we make justice something that is defined by only two colors. Guys, we're we're missing something that is way more eternal. Because remember, it is in God's nature to be just, right? So look at what is, uh, is immediately following Paul's, I guess, acknowledgement of the law that says you must respect your, respect your leaders, right? Respect your elders, if you will. Um, this is Exodus chapter 23. And I just think now, again, I'm not talking about being bound by the law, but I'm being useful to teach us something about the character and the nature of God. Yeah. Okay. What does the law teach us about the character and the nature of God? So Exodus chapter 23, listen to this. You shall not spread a false report. (laughs) You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice, Mm. nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Guys, (laughs) if you have this conversation age appropriate based on their awareness level, if you have this conversation with your young adult children, your teenage children, you encourage them to understand that one justice is God's nature. It is not based on a one-sided conversation and it's not wrong to seek out biblical justice. Amen. It is not wrong. But not every conversation that is being had today is a cry for biblical justice. In fact, in our culture, in some instances, not in all, but in some instances in our culture, what we actually see, one, is a cry for revenge, and two, a call for justice based on partiality. Well, I want this one to be right, 
So this is the side that I'm on. Mm. I think time's up for this. So this is the side that I'm on. There is no way for us to walk uprightly before God and have that as our standard of engagement. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. I won't complain because I know that he's working it out for my good, so I trust him on certain. There's not a problem I face too big for the Lord. My kids, I just cast them and give to the Lord. So I won't complain because it could be worse. I can walk and see, but they could have been in reverse. And we burst the life when he could have just left him dirt. Left him dirt by the job when I could be out of work. So we want our kids to know through and through, as much as it depends on us, we want them to know and understand what is written in the word of God so that when they encounter any situation, they are able to to apply it and to interpret that situation, filtering that situation through a biblical lens. This is why we're having this discussion today. It's not as easy as you might think. And I think that there are far more, far more claims to having a biblical worldview than there are actually biblical worldviews. <laughs> like, I, I don't know that as many people as claim to have a biblical worldview actually have one. And, and I think it's important for us to make sure that we get there. Welcome back. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's uh, Pilo Jetson and Jay Carter. I won't complain. So now what I want to do is I want to go through a series of proverbs, right? And I want us to have a conversation around those proverbs and how they might benefit us where we are right now. Okay. How might understanding the proverbs, knowing what the proverbs say and, and applying them to our lives, how might that benefit us right now? And if time permits, and, and this will just determine whether or not we go to the phone lines, but if time permits, I do want to take one story and, and I and I kind of want to talk about it from the perspective of what would that story look like for Christians if we apply the word of God? What kinds of questions might we ask if we are living and filtering all of our engagement through a biblical lens? Okay, mm -hmm. so Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, there is one whose rash words are like a sword or like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm going to read it again. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Think about what it might look like for us to engage in discussion where the aim of our involvement is to bring healing. Yeah. To bring healing. Right. What might that look like? Proverbs chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Go ahead, Will the Great. You were going to say something about that. Well, this particular scripture, I think, applies to... Um, all those those things we see pop up on timelines and even in the media, you know, where we want to make a, a decision uh, uh, based upon what we initially see. Yes. And that's very, very dangerous. And I was making this point that it seems that we usually see the end of a video before mm -hmm. we see the beginning. And yep. last I checked. Uh, last I checked, you know, videos are, you know, beginning to end. I mean, why are we seeing the end most of the time? Some people say, well, that's where people start recording when it really escalates. But my thing is, 
well, we need to these these videos need to be gathered up until all of them are, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. are together and then put it out the whole story. Because what happens is there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of divisiveness based upon the end of the story. And mm-hmm. then when the, the beginning of the story comes out, you know, people are looking crazy because it's like, oh, there's more information. There's more. And it's like, man, well, we need to be quiet until we get more information. And that is biblical. To that right there, what you just said as a proverb, right? Be quiet until you get more information. And, and, and let me say this. Let me say this. <laughs> yeah, go I'm ahead. not just applying this to the, the uh, George Lloyd situation because I think no, there was I a lot of video different. evidence to show yes. that there was yeah. some bad stuff happening. But I'm just talking in general. We usually right, see how, yeah. the end of video. So that means we need to wait to get the rest of it because it's coming out at some point later on. And I'll tell you what happens when when we as believers are not diligent to ask questions or we think that those questions make us um, some sort of traitor, whatever our supposed allegiance is supposed to be or whatever. Yeah. Whatever our supposed allegiance is. Mm -hmm. So my allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. People Mm -hmm. say, Miki, what's your angle here? Where, where are you in all of this? I want to be on the Lord's side. Right. That's my angle. Okay, that's my allegiance. So if you're going to get tired, you're going to be like, oh, that's, she just has one note. She's always like, you know, what is, that's, that's going to be the question that I'm asking. How does the Bible teach me to engage with the facts of this situation? That's going to always be my question. It's not going to be based on the color of my skin. It's not going to be based on my political position. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be based on the region of the country that I live in right. or my socioeconomic status. My question is, what does the Bible teach me about how I'm supposed to engage this situation? And to your point, to your point, Will, and and I was joking, but it's true. When we say, you know what, I want to know what other information is available, that does not make us insensitive. That makes us biblical. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Mm -hmm. We have children who walk in into the middle of a conversation and begin speaking. We don't allow that. Right. Because we tell them you can't possibly know what's going on. You haven't listened long enough. Why are you offering commentary? You, there's no way that you can know what's going oh, Well, I just wanted to say because I figured you guys are probably talking. No, I mean, I'm sorry. You're not, you're not ready to engage this conversation. You need to wait, listen a little bit longer. Let the person speaking finish. Then you interject. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Mm. Now, this would put a lot of us in many instances, okay, on a hiatus from a lot of our social media interaction. This next one, Proverbs chapter 26. Mm-hmm. All right. This would, this would put a lot of us, depending on how... how <laughs> how you really want to shake down with this, right? This will put a lot of us on like a timeout, okay? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 26, and, and I actually remind, I have one child, <laughs> okay, for whom this proverb must be tattooed across the forehead, <laughs> all right? Or maybe someplace more visible because they could only see that and looking in the mirror. So this, this proverb right here, all right? Proverbs chapter 26, verse 17 Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own mm. is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. 
Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. I've got one kid in particular that I have to say, oh, more often than I would like. I want to say all the time, but that, that can't possibly be true. But I want to say all the time. But I've got one kid in particular where we constantly have to say, don't grab the dog. <laughs> Leave the dog's ears alone. You're not in this conversation. Yeah. Don't. And, and now let me tell you something. This does not apply to offering commentary. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we can't say anything about anything because, you know, I mean, we'd be done. I'm done. That's, this is what I'm doing. I'm offering commentary, <laughs> right? But how many times have you seen that there become these arguments or this bickering that happens under the posts? Mm-hmm. And you got all kind of people jump by, jump on the post just to grab dogs by the ears. Right. It happens all the time. Yes. All the time. It's like you want to just you. I'm sorry. I hate I hate to scripture slap people. But there are times when you want to just be like Proverbs 26, 17. That's not your argument. That's not your discussion. So we want to apply the word of God. We want a biblical worldview. Now, listen, let me let me just. um, Man. Let me just let me just say this. And, and you know, I, I understand that the, the time is winding down here. But let me just say this. The Lord God cares about justice. He cares about what is right. Understand that the Lord does not operate according to perspective. Mm-hmm. His operation is clean. It's, it's a slice, right? It is justice. It is right. It is right. It's not like right according to him. It is right. Amen. It is absolute. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. The Bible says, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Mm. God can't stand either one of them. Right. Man, we, and, and when we hear the word abomination, we think that only applies to one type of sin. Hey. <laughs> but what about for the person who justifies the wicked? That is to look at somebody who has done something that is wrong and to say, no, they're right. And often it's, you know, they're right because I like them. <laughs> or they're right because I like that group. The Bible says that he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, the person who is right, say, no, he's wrong. Why? Because I don't like him. The Bible says they're one and, a, and the same. Hmm. What, what is that? They are both an abomination to God. Proverbs 17, 15. Now, let me say this. So I'm kind of fascinated by this whole Memorial Day thing with the Coopers. They're not related, (laughs) but I'm kind of fascinated by their story here. Right. And when I first learned about this story, like many of our listeners, like many people on social media. Right. I was intrigued by this woman's response to this man. And if you're not familiar with the story, it's about the woman not having her dog on a leash. They're in central park. They're in the brambles. And this man is in the the rambles or whatever, where they're walking in a place where the dog's supposed to be on a leash. All right. And the man is a bird watcher and he regularly encounters these people who are going through the park. They don't have the dog on a leash. He wants the dog on a leash. But the point that the video picks up is with this woman who appears to be calling cops are calling law enforcement Mm -hmm. to make the claim that an African-American man is threatening my life and my dog's life. Mm -hmm. And so it seems that she is using this man's ethnicity as sort of a urgent cry for help. All right. That this is going to up the ante. This is what it appears to be. 
Now, here is my question. My question is because I'm not always looking for something to like, you know, prove that we live in an overwhelmingly racist country. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not looking for that. I don't need that. Right. That's not something I'm seeking after. So I'm not going to automatically filter that through that lens. My question is going to be of a biblical nature. Um, what happened before the video started rolling? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. my question. What, what, what did this, where, how did this get from zero to 60? And why is this woman saying that this man, this African-American man is threatening her life? Now I'm going to tell you something. She is not completely in the clear. Mm -hmm. You guys understand that communication is my thing. All right. Communication is my thing. So the inflection that people use, the tone of voice that people use, it all matters to me. Mm -hmm. It may not matter to everybody else, but it matters to me. So there is something in the video to me that indicates she does see the color of his skin as a way to almost induce a response from law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in that, in that response, the inflection in her voice, she throws out African-American man as almost like an epithet. It's like it's, she is using it to be hurtful. However, let me say this. She appears to be really shaken, mm -hmm. really, really shaken. And my question is, how does asking someone to put their dog on a leash produce that kind of fight or flight reaction where she is dragging that poor animal along by his collar? Right. What is going on? What is going on? Why is she dragging that dog? You know, those, those are the questions that you have to ask. What produced that fight or flight reaction in her? Well, because I want to wait, because I believe the word of God is true. And it says that one person seems right until another person speaks. Right. OK, the, the person who pleads their case first. And who do we hear from? We hear from Christian Cooper that he simply asked this woman to put our dog on a leash. But then what do we find out in the days after that, that according to Christian Cooper's own Facebook page, he apparently threatened. He implies, let me say it this way. He implies that he's got special treats for dogs like this woman's dog who is not on a leash. Hmm. What he says to her specifically is because she is like, I'm not going to put my dog on a leash. This is according to the Christian Cooper's Facebook page. She said, I'm not going to put my dog on a leash. And he says, quote, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want. But you're not you're not going to like it. She asked him, what's that? Then he says to the dog, come here, puppy. Mm. She says, he won't come to you. He says, we'll see about that. The implication is, I have something that's going to take care of your animal. So when the woman is frantic and mm -hmm. screaming and hysterical and it looks so out of place, you have to ask yourself, what comes before this? Yeah. Now, again, they both are wrong. Right. They both are wrong. To me, the only color element here is her tone of voice when she says, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them that an African-American man is trying to hurt me and my dog or whatever she says. Right? Because the color of his skin doesn't matter. Right. Now, unless she's thinking in her mind, I'm going to give them a description so they can find you. But the color of his skin does not matter. His actions completely matter. His actions completely matter. To even give her the, uh, the, the thought that he is going to po poison her dog would kick in a certain flight or fight, mm -hmm. which is what you see in the video. Now, guys, here is my strong encouragement. As we see these things continue to go through their cycle, 
they go away, then they come back. They go, and they play on your emotions. They play on your emotions, man, like a violin. Whenever, whenever, whenever it's decided that it's time to strike up tension in this country, can I encourage the body of Christ? Can I encourage the church over whom the Lord Jesus presides not to be like the world? Amen. Don't let your emotions be tossed back and forth. Now, I want to say this because I know we don't have time to go into it, and I know that there's more, but I want to say that I put the situation with George Floyd in a different category. Amen. But all of the scriptures still apply even to that. All right, until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.